Praise God for a great morning so far, right? God's doing some good stuff in this house. Praise him. It's so funny, I sit here and I look at Emily like when she's doing the announcements, and I'll make faces, not because I'm trying to get her to say something different, but because I'm nervous about my sermon. I'm like, and she's looking at me like, wait, what? What? So, but anyways, so it's great to have you in church today. If you're new this morning, just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. We pray uh, that you would feel welcome here and that you would meet with God. We want you to have a divine encounter this morning with Jesus. We don't want you to meet with us, but instead meet with God. So I'm praying that would happen. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you after service. It gets kind of crazy after service, so just come grab me. I would love to meet you and talk with you and hear uh, just a little bit about you. Yeah, so thanks for being here. So how many of us in this room have struggled with the fear of public speaking? Okay, you can be bold, all right? Most people don't like to public speak. If you do, you're weird. Uh, And believe it or not, for me, I had a long season of my life, and I'm still a little bit afraid of it, but a long season where I was like seriously afraid of public speaking. You see, in elementary school, when I didn't think about what people thought of me, I would talk all the time in class. I was one of those kids who would just like want to read the story or whatever every time. Like, I got this. I'd want to talk and share. But then I got into middle school. I started to go through puberty, started to think about what people thought of me. And all of a sudden, I became this shy and timid kid who didn't want to talk in class. I would like be deathly afraid of speaking. I remember when we would go around the room reading like a story, I would read it ahead of time and like practice it because I was so nervous about reading in front of the class. And it got so bad that in eighth grade, I gave a speech. You had to give a speech for language arts. And I had like a panic attack before I gave that speech. I was literally like this, shaking, talking as fast as possible. I thought if I just talk as fast as possible, that'll help and that'll get it done quick. But it actually makes it worse. So just public speaking, no, don't try to talk really fast. It's not a good idea. So I had that serious panic attack. And then in high school, I began to, or before I partied and and did those things that I've shared, I began to feel a call to full-time ministry. I've always kind of felt that call, but even more so at the beginning of high school, I began to feel this call, and if you know anything about ministry, it seems like you have to talk in front of people a lot. So I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to be in ministry, then you got to find something for me to do that doesn't require me to open my mouth. I don't want to speak in front of people or really speak much at all. And my pastor began to encourage me when I was around 15. He said, hey, if God's with you, you can do it, buddy. You can do it. There's people in the Bible who were scared of speaking, and God used them. So he encouraged me. He empowered me. He gave me an opportunity to uh, to share at youth group, and I gave my first ever sermon. I still have it if you want to hear it. It's like six minutes long. It was not good, but but when I got into the pulpit, there was something supernatural that happened where I began to feel the peace of God. It, It was really strange. I was scared before, but then when I got into the pulpit, I began to feel God's peace, and it actually went pretty well, according to the people there. Maybe it wasn't actually that good, but they said it was good, okay? So I'm just gonna take them at their word. But now, 13 years later, I preached over 200 sermons, and it's my job pretty much. It's one of the things I feel most called to. And I learned something important through that experience of overcoming my fear and my anxiety. I learned that if Jesus is with you, you can have confidence. I learned that if Jesus is with you, you can have peace no matter what is thrown at you. If he's called you to something, he'll bring you through it. I learned that if Jesus Christ is on my side, he will be with me. If we're honest with ourselves, fear and anxiety can drive much of what we do. You know, some of us, we're afraid of talking to people we don't know. Uh, so during the greeting time at church, we run to the bathroom and hide in there in the, in the stall until it's over. I'm kidding. I don't think anybody does that. If you do that, it's okay. We can pray together after service. But, uh, but, but some of us are so afraid of talking to people we don't know. We don't go to uh, certain social events. We don't really put ourselves out there. It's a serious problem with the upcoming generation as we have relied more on our smartphones. We're seeing it more and more with the students who come through Chi Alpha that there's this, this social anxiety 
You know, some of us, we fear or we worry about not having en enough resources uh, to pay our bills or, or to do things we want to do. So we hoard our money and we squeeze it very tightly. We're calculating all the time and we're failing to leverage it to build the kingdom of God. There are some of us who we fear rejection, so we don't talk to our friends about Jesus. And there's others who worry about our children and if they're on the right track, so we stay up late at night thinking about them and, and losing sleep about them. And even sometimes we try to control them and make them do the things we want them to do. It causes us, fear can cause us to act in weird ways. You know, with the election coming up, there may be some of us who are legitimately afraid of who might get elected. And we may even struggle to be friends with people who think differently than us. There's many of us today who are worried about the pandemic, we're worried about getting sick, we're constantly watching CNN with the tracker of the coronavirus of how many people have gotten sick and died and we're worrying about that. And most of us, I think it's safe to say that, I think it's safe to say that most of us here fear the unknown and when God calls us to do something that's a little bit different than what we're used to, we, we typically don't do it because we're afraid of what might happen if we step out into the unknown. God's heart this morning is not to tell us that our fears and our worries aren't legitimate. That's not Jesus' heart. He doesn't say just get over it. He sees our struggles. He sympathizes with us. He lived the human life himself. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. However, he wants us to know deep in our bones that, that we don't need to fear or worry because he has our life in his hands. He has it under control. Okay, so with that said, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series. I'm excited for this. Brand new sermon series called Set Free. And this sermon series, if you haven't guessed, is all about how Jesus, he sets us free from different struggles. God's heart for each of us is to liberate us from the struggles that entangle our lives. If we're honest, there's things that hold us back and prevent us from being who God's called us to be. And Jesus' heart is to set us free, to set the captives free, as we sang in that song. In Luke 4, Jesus begins his ministry. It's the first time he publicly addresses the Jewish people in a synagogue. It says this in, in verse 16 through 19. This is just kind of an overview for the series. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to this world to set the captives free. That's how he began his ministry, and he is still in the business of doing it today, and I believe he's going to set some of us free this morning specifically of fear and worry. So with that said, this sermon is called Fear to Confidence. We're going to go from, from being people who are afraid and people who worry all the time. I'm a big worry wart. I worry a lot. But we're going to go from that to confidence. We're going to go from fear to peace, from fear to boldness. We're going to step into what God has for us today. I believe that. This is a holy moment this morning. I'm excited. All right, Luke chapter 12. We're going to flip a few chapters forward this morning from Luke 4 to Luke 12. And this passage is very simple, but it's provided me with great perspective over the years. I've held on to it in the most uncertain moments. I'll tell you, when we were planning to plant this church during a pandemic, and I hardly had anyone with me other than a bunch of 20-somethings, which they're great. I love you college students. 
But I had to hold on to this verse. I'm like, God, what am I getting into? I believe it's going to encourage you this morning. Verses 4 through 7. All right, this is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear, or fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet not one of them is forgotten before God. And why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, because you are of more value than many sparrows. That's a good word this morning. Let's pray over it. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a God who brings peace, that you are a God who brings boldness, who brings confidence, who takes timid men and, or timid men and women, and you make them bold proclaimers of your truth. This morning, Jesus, I pray that something supernatural would happen where the confidence of God begins to kind of settle into our hearts, and we become people who we never thought we could be. We thank you for this, Jesus, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. All right. So Jesus, he urges us not to fear people and things who can only temporarily hurt us. Instead, he says, fear God, the one who has authority over our eternal fate, and he loves us enough to even know the hairs on our head. He knows every hair on my head. That's humbling. The first point this morning is this. Confidence is our inheritance. Confidence is our inheritance. Jesus, he starts by telling us not to fear. In fact, he tells us 300, where God tells us 365 times in Scripture not to fear. He says, do not fear, 365 times. That's one for every day of the year. If you're a follower of Jesus, you probably know intellectually that you shouldn't fear. The hard part, though, the hard part is not just knowing it in your brain. It's pretty easy for us to know stuff in our brain from the Scripture. It's hard to get it into our hearts where it actually changes the way we live. It's hard to get it into our hearts in such a way where we get set free from fear. Being a Christian, it's all about it's all about trusting God and being confident that he has your life in his hands. The Christian life, it starts by trusting that Jesus' sacrifice will be enough to save us from our sins and being set free from this fear of punishment as Jesus has already paid our punishment. That's where the Christian life starts is by putting our confidence and our trust in Jesus and being set free from condemnation and fear of punishment. It starts by placing our confidence in him. So followers of Jesus are supposed to be ridiculously confident. You know that this morning. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a son or daughter of God, God has called you to be bold and to be confident, to be firm in your faith. However, even as followers of Jesus, if you're one of those in this room, fear and worry, they still threaten us. They still threaten to steal our confidence and often, Satan either gets us to be afraid of things that are very temporary or very worldly, or he gets us to be afraid of things that are products of our imagination and aren't actually going to happen. He's pretty tricky, that old Satan. A psychologist said this in Psychology Today. He said this. He said, he said we get scared because of what we imagine could happen. And some neuroscientists claim that humans are the most fearful creatures on the planet because of our ability to learn, to think, and to, and to create fear in our minds. Sometimes thinking is a bad thing, right? We just think all these scenarios. I do it all the time at night with him. I'm like, hey, what if this happens? She's like, shut up and go to bed, all right? It's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, sometimes our fears and worries are about legitimate things, but they are 
almost always about temporary things. And much of the time, like I said, they're about these what-ifs of what could happen. You know, much of the time, though, we are afraid when there's nothing to be afraid of. We overthink things. We play out scenarios in our heads that aren't going to happen. And then as we do that, we start acting like crazy people because of our imaginations. But Jesus, this morning, he's inviting us to stop or to stop fearing products of our imaginations or could be scenarios and to start trusting in him, the one who created our imaginations. He invites us to stop fearing even the most real earthly threats and to trust in him, the one who took away the biggest threat of all, which is life without God forever, by dying on a cross for our sins. We see throughout the New Testament that confidence and boldness were trademarks of those early disciples. It says this in Acts 4.13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So here's the deal. When we're with Jesus, the one who has power, the one who has love, we can be bold and confident. Boldness and confidence is a trademark that you have been with Christ. I love what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says this. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us... And for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Power, somebody, come on. A spirit of love and a spirit of self-control. I want to see some powerful, loving, self-controlled people come up out of this place this morning. Timothy was a young pastor. He's trying to lead this brand new church. They had no idea what Christianity was or what Jesus was. They planted the church, and then Timothy's trusted to lead this church. Paul leaves him and just bails on him, and he writes a letter that says, God gave you a spirit, not a fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. I'm confident that if God could give Timothy the power that he needed, the power that he needed, he can give it to you for your troubles. I believe that this morning. God is calling you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. A spirit, not a fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. This is available to each one of us. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, Paul says this. He says, there says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Our confidence does not come from us. It doesn't come from within ourselves, but it comes from the God who holds our life in his hands and empowers us to be the people that he's called us to be. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him, okay? You don't have to, you don't have to muster anything up this morning. In this life, we will certainly have trouble. There will certainly be things to be afraid of, but God calls us to put all our weight into him and trust him to take care of it. In Psalm 56, I love this, these two verses. 56, verse three and four. It says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me, come on. What can flesh do to us? What can flesh really do to us if Jesus has paid our payment and secured eternal life for us? So notice here that the psalmist, he's not being arrogant. He's not downplaying his threats. He actually had enemies surrounding him at this moment. He's not saying, hey, I'm not in a tough situation. There's nothing to be afraid of. But instead he's saying, I am afraid, but, but I'm putting my trust in you. In the midst of a legitimate threat, in fear, he draws confidence from his heavenly father who has it under control. I've always been a worrier. Like I said, it's, it's one of my struggles. I remember after my freshman year at UNI, all of the worship leaders in Chi Alpha had graduated or left Chi Alpha, and we had no one to lead the team. I played drums on the worship team, and there was me and a cello player left. It's just a drummer and a cello. That ain't going to be good worship. 
It's going to be crazy worship, I'll tell you that, but it ain't going to be good. All summer long, I stressed about it. I would call my campus pastor like once a week and say, hey, man, have you found a worship leader? I remember one time I was at like, like Worlds of Fun or some, like Six Flags or something calling him like, man, have you figured this out? And he's like, I'm hanging out on a beach. Zip it. I'm not worrying about this right now. It was summertime. For a campus pastor, summertime is like where they're relaxing. So watch Derek and Taylor uh, this summer. They're going to be chilling out, hanging out. They're still going to be doing good work. But, but it's a time where you relax. He wasn't worried about it. And when I would ask him if he had found someone, he'd always say, I haven't found someone, but God has. I'm like, dude, come on. We're supposed to actually do something about this. And I got to tell you, if I didn't have a worship leader just a month before this church launch, we have like eight of them, if you didn't know. Derek leads our worship team, but we have eight or so singers. So praise God for that. He supplies. But if I didn't have a worship leader, I would have been like really shaking in my boots. Like, what are we going to do? I'm not going to sing. But my pastor was confident. And then about a month before, I talked to the cello player, and we both played guitar and kind of sang, kind of sang. And we said, hey, why don't we try to do this? So we started playing the uh, guitar and practicing, and we were pretty good. People said we were pretty good. Maybe they're just making us feel good. But, but we tried out, and the pastor said, hey, I think that's what God's had planned all along. And then God provided every other instrument around us. And me and him had to step up and to lead. I love that pastor's confidence. He still pastors a church in Waverly now. He pastors a church in Waverly called Crosspoint Church. It's one of our partner churches. They helped us plant this church. And he still walks in that confidence. There's things I'd be so afraid of and so nervous about, but he is so confident, and I want to get there. So I share that this morning to say, or to say no matter what you're going through, know that confidence and boldness, even in the midst of uncertainty, when things aren't all figured out, is your calling and it's your inheritance in Jesus and it's a really good witness to the world as well. If God is your father, if Jesus is your savior, and if the Holy Spirit is your friend, then you have nothing to worry about. But despite knowing this intellectually, uh, we still struggle uh, to know it in our hearts because there's this temptation to to preserve our lives, to kind of look out for number one. So the second point this morning is this, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is self-preservation threatens our confidence. Although we know that we're called to confidence, fear and anxiety is constantly lurking at the door. Fear is hardwired in our brains. There are actually networks in our brains that if a scientist stimulates it, then it will trigger fear in us. It, It will produce fear. And while many fears are learned, some fears are instinctual, And they're there so we will protect ourselves. That's what they're there for. So like you have a fear of pain. Like this week we got flu shots and Emily was like, no. I was like, bring it on. No, I wasn't really. But but those fears are there so we will protect ourselves. And And so we will preserve ourselves. But not only that, we don't just have those instincts. We also live in a world where the world says that self preservation is or should be our top priority. And we're told that our lives should be as comfortable as possible. It should be about how much money we can make and how secure we can feel and how successful we can be. The world tells us that taking care of ourselves is the most important thing. And a survey conducted, or conducted by the Independent in the, in the United Kingdom, they found that the top things that people worry about are as follows. First thing is getting old. Amen. The second thing is savings. Amen, right? Financial future. Three is low energy. I don't get that one as much, but cool. Four is diet. Five is credit card debt. Six is job security. Seven is wrinkles and aging appearance. Yeah, don't scrunch your forehead too much. I get wrinkles up here from being like, okay. Eight is physique. 
and nine is paying rent or mortgage, and 10 is unhappiness, and the list goes on. At the root of most of these concerns is self-preservation. You know this world hunger is not on here. Sex trafficking is not on here. That's not what we're worried about. We're worried about our own selves, the need to protect ourselves, the need to be comfortable, the need to look good to the world. We don't want to get old. We uh, want to have a ton of cash in the savings account. We want to have a good diet and live a long time, which is a good thing. You should have a good diet. Don't go to Cane's every single day like I'm tempted to. These aren't bad things. And we want job security. But they're all about self. All these fears are about self. This makes sense if you don't have Jesus, because if you don't have Jesus, this life is all you got, and you got to squeeze eternity in 70 to 90 years if you're lucky. But if you do have Christ, he calls you to another way. He says, don't fear the one who can only kill the body. He says, don't be afraid of things that can only hurt you in this life. Because I've died for you, this is what Jesus says to us, because I've died for you, because I've secured your eternity, you don't need to protect yourself any longer. You don't need to cling so tightly to this world. Instead, we have an eternity to enjoy with God. So why worry about something that is such a blip in the grand scheme of eternity? We don't have time to spend our time on this earth worrying about ourselves. We need to be pushing back the gates of hell. That's what we need to be doing. We need to stop thinking about self and think about others. And when we can get that in us, it's ridiculously liberating. It just frees us up. So for me, one of the things I worry about is finances at times. I've gotten better at it over the years, but there's certain times where I'll, I'll start to, to slip into worry and start to think, how can I pinch every penny? And when I start doing this, I realize that something is off in my heart. I'm not trusting that Jesus has me. There's a greater heart problem going on. The problem isn't the finances. The problem's my heart. I'm either not trusting that God can take care of my finances, that he's powerful enough to do it, or I'm not trusting that he wants to take care of my finances, that he is actually good and loves me and wants what's best for me. I'm either not trusting that he's all-powerful or that he's all-loving. But, but when we understand that God loves us and he'll take care of us, it drives out fear because we don't have to preserve ourselves. There's someone in heaven over the hundreds of billions of galaxies who is worrying about it for us. When we start worrying, if you're worrying tonight, just remember or just realize that you need a download of the love of God because the love of God is supposed to drive out fear. 1 John 4, 18 says this, says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The key to getting free of anxiety and fear and being confident in God is knowing that he is powerful and that he is good. In Luke chapter 12, let's read it again. It says, But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And, not, and yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. So the third and final point this morning is this. If you didn't take notes before, take notes now. Is this. We can only be truly confident when we realize that God is all-powerful and God is all loving. Jesus says, do not fear the things of this world. Fear him who has authority. That word's important. The one who has authority to cast into hell. He's saying the only one we should fear is the one who's actually in charge. Do you realize no matter what happens on Tuesday, Jesus is still on his throne? He's still in charge? He's not worried. He ain't scared. He ain't surprised. So why should we fear people who have no authority or their authority is only given to them by God? 
or fear temporary things that have no eternal implications for us. As 21st century Americans, we often struggle with this concept of fearing God, this concept of hell and judgment. But this morning, we need to understand that, that God is a judge, and his judgment is certain if you don't trust Jesus. That should cause us to revere him and to be thankful for the fact that he sent Jesus. He didn't leave us headed to hell. Instead, he sent Jesus to stand in the way and to give us a way out. He's given us so much grace that his own son came and died on our behalf. He's given us a way to be forgiven. God has authority and he has every right to cast us into hell, but he judged his son on our behalf. And if we trust in him, we will have our sins paid. So if we place our trust in this God who has authority over the world and loves us so much that he punished his own son for us, then we should have confidence. We should have confidence because we serve a God who is powerful enough to do something about our situation and loving enough to do something about our situation. And we see God's care for us in the way that he cares for the simplest things in creation. You notice that the birds aren't scared. The birds are just like, whatever. Like I was driving, there's some roadkill and there's like 50 crows on that roadkill this morning. And they were just chilling while I'm driving up. I'm like, you guys about to get run over. You better move. I'm headed to church. I got to be with Jesus. Move. But they did move at the end. It says here that he doesn't even forget about sparrows, a very cheap and common bird. If he doesn't forget about them, how can he forget about us? Those that he died for. How can he forget about those that he made in his own image? He made you in his image. He loves you. How could he forget about you? He sees what you're going through. Do you know that? And he cares about it. And he's powerful enough to do something about it. Oh, yeah. It's getting good now. Come on. I'm excited. <laughs> he has... He has the hairs on your head numbered. He ain't scared. Why should we be? 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says this. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Do you believe that this morning? When you humble yourself before God and receive his forgiveness and become his son or daughter, you can throw off, that's what that means, throw off all your fears, all your anxieties, and walk in confidence because you know that the God of the heavens is fighting for you. This is not a front. This is not something you have to force, but it's something that overflows out of a heart that is deeply cared for. You know you have nothing to bring to the table, but you got a dad in heaven who's got it under control and has your back. When I think about this kind of confidence, this this kind of joy that, that's sourced in knowing how powerful and loving God is, I can't help but think of my daughter Jane. Jane has such a confidence. Have you ever noticed, if you come for pre-service prayer, you should come just for this. She'll come in about 922, a couple minutes after prayer starts. She just starts walking around like, I own this place. <laughs> I don't know like, why that happens, but she does it every morning. And she doesn't do it other places. She just does it at church, it seems like. But I do think it's sourced in two things. I think the first thing, the first reason why she does that is when she comes into this room, she always sees me standing up here talking to the congregation. And she sees that I have some type of authority. She might not know what's going on, but she knows that her daddy is a leader here and has things under control. The second reason why is, is she knows that every single human being in this room, even ones who just meet her, love her and adore her so much. This understanding of me having authority and people loving her produces this weird confidence 
enjoying her. She's not worried about anything when she's at church. Like last night before bed, this has nothing to do with this really, but we were praying. I said, Jane, she's starting to talk. It's really cool. So I'm like, Jane, can you pray for church tomorrow? She's like, yes, I'm praying. She didn't say yes, I'm praying, but she's like, I'm like, okay, say Jesus. She goes, Jesus. I said, say church. And she said, church. I said, say be good. She said, be good. And I said, say tomorrow. And she said, tomorrow. So I said, or so she said, Jesus, church be good tomorrow. She prayed that in Jesus' name, and we said amen. In the same way, I believe that God wants us to know that he has authority in this world. No matter what room we go into, God is in charge. And nothing is too hard for our God. He's got things under control. Yes, evil does happen. Bad things do happen. I'm not telling you that nothing bad happens. You know bad things happen because you live on this planet, right? But there's nothing that happens that he could not change if he wanted to or if he chose to. He's a powerful, sovereign God. At the same time, he's a God who cares about us. He's a good God who loves his people, and he wants what's best for us, just as Jane knows that everyone at this church loves her and has her back. After church, after church Emily and I have hardly no idea where she is because we know that all of you are taking care of her, <laughs> no matter where she goes. The main idea this morning is this, and if you're still not taking notes, then you can watch it later. All right, so it says this, main idea. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. All right, it's this. Jesus sets us free from the bondage of fear and anxiety and calls us to a life of supernatural confidence. That's what he's calling us to this morning. So this morning, let me ask you, uh, what's that thing that you worry about the most? I shared some of, or some of my struggles. What's that thing that, that causes you to be afraid? You know, maybe for you it is your finances. Or maybe it's your children or your future, maybe you're a college student, you got this future in front of you, and you're nervous that you're not making the right decisions. You know, maybe it's your health, maybe you're struggling with your health, or you're scared of the pandemic. Every single one of us come here this morning, and we have worries and concerns and fears that are threatening our confidence and threatening our joy. And we all, every one of us, worry about the things of this world, and we're also afraid about possible scenarios that could happen to us. This morning, we need to know something very simple but profound, that if we follow Jesus, then we are God's son or God's daughter, and confidence is our right, it's our inheritance as his kids. Jesus doesn't want you to worry about your life. That's, that's never been his will for your life. He doesn't want you to worry about the economy or your finances or the election or your health or your future. He doesn't want you to worry about any of it. He wants you to have faith like a child that says, my daddy has it under control. This doesn't mean you don't exercise wisdom. This doesn't mean that you don't do your due diligence or plan well. I believe in planning. But it means that you let nothing temporal steal your peace. Some of you may be watching or you're here this morning and if you're honest, you're not just worried about temporary things, but you're also worried about eternity. If you died today, if you're very honest, you don't know if you would be with Jesus. Because maybe you haven't made him the Lord of your life or you once did and you've walked away from that. We need to know this morning that each of us have sinned against God and, and what we deserve is punishment and hell for our sin. But God himself, Jesus Christ, he came out of heaven and he lived the perfect life that each of us should have lived he died the death that each of us should have died, 
and he rose from the grave. If you put your faith in him this morning, if you trust him, you will have your sins forgiven and you'll have no reason to fear or worry because, because you have been made right with your Savior and the God of the universe becomes your Father. You, if you do that, you are given the right to become children of God. It's really incredible. I don't know why anybody says no. So this morning, I pray that you would say yes to Jesus if you haven't done that before. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. I just want to encourage you, if you prayed this prayer last week or the week before, you don't have to keep praying it. If you prayed that prayer, you can trust in the Lord. But if you need to pray this prayer this morning, I want you to do that. God wants you to do that. So with that said, if you want to come into relationship with Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him, all you have to do is respond by confessing that he is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So what I'm going to do to do that is count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand between you and God saying, hey, God, I want to be saved. I want to be your son or daughter. So one, two, three. Slip them up all across this room. See that hand? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. All right, you can put them down. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for having that, that boldness. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and I want you to pray in your heart. God, this morning we just come to you, and we confess that each of us have sinned. We've fallen short of your glory. And we ask you to save us. We recognize, Jesus, that you are Lord. And we confess that this morning, that you are God, that you are King. And we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead, defeating death, sin, hell, and the grave. And we put all our trust in you. And this morning, God, we're asking you to make us your children and to secure our eternity this morning. So, God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, can we celebrate those who prayed that prayer? This is a big deal. Come on, can we celebrate that? Praise God. Sons and daughters coming home. Yeah. God is calling us to have right relationship with him, to have our eternity figured out, and to be incredibly confident people in the temporary. So I want to have one more way for you to respond, so you can bow your heads and close your eyes again. If you're here this morning, or you're watching online, and if you're very honest, you are struggling with fear, or worry, or anxiety, and maybe something really specific has been weighing you down in this morning, you want to cast that anxiety upon the Lord, I want to give you a chance to do that. So again, the way I want to do that is just have you slip up your hand, just, just telling God, hey, I got some stuff I need you to carry for me. So if you do that right now, if there's something on your heart, just raise your hand to heaven. I see those hands. All right, we're casting our anxieties upon Jesus, the one who's powerful and the one who is good. So let's pray one more time. Jesus, this morning, we're throwing all our anxieties, all our worries unto you, and we're trusting you, the powerful one, the loving one, to take care of them. God, you have us. All right, Lord, this morning, we just want to say we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.